Hi there, this is Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is the Love to Tell the Story podcast. Jesus himself said that he came so that we may have life and have it abundantly. But what, especially in this day and age, is so special about abundant life? Continuing our current Lenten sermon series all about the things that are special about our Christian faith, that's the question we're asking in today's message, which is based on John chapter 10 verses 7 through 10 and 1 Timothy chapter 6 verses 11 through 19. And it starts out with a story about a long ago dream home. I came, said Jesus, that they may have life and have it abundantly. It was in many respects the first building I ever encountered that I would come to envision as my dream home. See, during summers while I was in college, I was working as a cabin boy at a rustic resort up on the coast of Maine, which meant I spent my days welcoming new guests to the resort, carrying their luggage, and helping out in any way I could, which included each day bringing a fresh load of firewood uh, to, the, to the dozen or so cottages that were a part of the resort. Always out there working for those tips, don't you know? I was also, from time to time, farmed out to some of the surrounding neighbors' homes, which uh, were being sublet, interestingly enough, to the resort. It was kind of an earlier version of an Airbnb, as I think about it. And they, and when they, they did sublet these buildings, what would happen is, is that uh, I would go and I would tend to them like I would the other cottages. And one of these houses in particular, whoa, just let me say to you now that it was one of the most beautiful homes I've ever seen or have ever seen. Picture it. It was situated high atop a rocky ledge overlooking the ocean there on Egamogan Reach. It had a wraparound porch, and there were white wicker rocking chairs uh, on, the, on the porch. It was, uh, there were flower arrangements hanging all around. There was a sound of wind chimes throughout the place that was set off by the soft, gentle breezes coming off the ocean. Inside was even better. It was light and airy, and it was beautifully furnished. It had all the amenities. I mean, folks, this was the quintessential coastal mansion, the kind of place you would see listed in the real estate ads in the back of Down East or Yankee magazine. You know, if you knew that, you kind of go and say, oh, you drool over those places. Well, this was one of those places. And so here I am. I'm in this beautiful, clearly multi-million dollar luxury home, and I'm performing my cabin boy duties. And I, as I'm carefully laying out the wood in the fireplace so that the guests who are just about to arrive could easily start a fire with one match, that was the goal, I am looking around and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I could really deal with living somewhere like this. 
Never mind that as someone who even then knew his vocation was soon to be that of a preacher, I would never be able to afford the taxes on a place like this, much less to own it. Nevertheless, I found myself every time I had to go into that place dreaming of a time when I would wake up every morning to the sound of the tide rolling in and crashing against the rocks, about sitting on that wraparound porch on warm summer afternoons, watching the sailboats passing by on that reach, and thinking to myself, maybe someday, someday this could be, nay, it will be. It hasn't happened yet. But I am holding out just the tiniest bit of hope. Now, I'm guessing that you might just know what I'm talking about here. Perhaps you have a dream house of your own. Or at least maybe you have the dream of living in a much warmer clime than that of New Hampshire in the dead of winter. Or maybe for you it's to drive a luxury car. Or to, to have the means to, to be able to fly first class anywhere in the world you want at any time you want. Or maybe it's simply to have enough affluence and influence to live out your days without having to deal with all manner of struggle be it financial or otherwise. Now, I know when I say this, it's not like we're totally dissatisfied with our lives, right? I mean, we say we're doing fine, and for the most part, we mean it. We are doing fine. But most of us, I suspect, would have to confess that sometimes we desire a certain quality of life or at least to a certain kind of life, one of ease and contentment and fulfillment and purpose and abundance. What we seek, you see, in one way or another, is abundant life. In our Gospel text for this morning, Jesus does indeed say that he has come so that his sheep, that is, his followers, all of us, may have life and have it abundantly. But the question is, what does Jesus mean when he talks about having life abundantly? Well, first off, we've got to understand that the answer to that question comes in the context of these words. Uh, when Jesus says this, it comes on the heels of him talking all about that all who came before him were thieves and bandits. How those thieves and bandits only came to, to steal and kill and destroy. This is the part of the 10th chapter of John in which Jesus refers to himself as the gate of the sheep. Elsewhere, he is the gatekeeper, and then most famously, as Chris read to us today, the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Folks, I've got to tell you, there are tons of mixed metaphors all wrapped up in this passage. Every one of those metaphors worthy of a sermon of its own. But what you've got to know for today is that the common theme in this text is that Jesus is the one who always and ever cares for the sheep. Jesus is the one who wants them to have life. 
But not just life, but to have life abundantly. But there again is the question, right? What does that mean according to Jesus? What's so special about abundant life? Lutheran pastor and author David Loos writes that life obviously is good, desirable, important. How much more so than abundant life? The chance to not only simply persist, but thrive. To not simply exist, but to flourish. To have a sense of meaning, purpose, and fulfillment. To know and be known. To accept and to be accepted. Lose goes on here to say that if there is one thing that pretty much everyone desires, even if they can't name that desire per se, it's this. In fact, most of us regularly make all kinds of sacrifices for the sake of attaining this kind of life. And moreover, each time we fail at it, it kills us just a little. But the worst part of all those rights is that oftentimes in trying to earn or achieve or purchase all of this, we end up settling for something far less than abundant life. At the end of the day, Lowe's concludes, what we're truly seeking out of life are not the achievements or the affluence or the stuff, the things. It's not even getting to live in our dream houses. But what we really want is something more lasting and authentic. And that's what we find in Jesus' words in this text. Truly abundant life, you see, flows from a relationship with God in Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd. The one who seeks to gather us together to help us and protect us and make us truly feel alive. To give us life, but not just life, but life in abundance. Not just survival, that is, but, but, but life that's flourishing. Not just getting by, but thriving. Not just our existence, but, but to have joy. It is more life than most of us can imagine even possible. It's far more than houses or cars or to be living as Robin Leach used to say in that television show, the lifestyles of the rich and famous. <laughs> this is about abundant life. And let me tell you one other thing here about what Jesus is offering us. You know, as I'm planning out and preparing these messages, particularly uh, uh, when they're part of a series, as they have been throughout this Lenten season, I am inevitably made aware of the common threads that will run through these sermons and in my preaching. And that said, you should all know here and now that I am cognitively aware that as of late, we've been talking a whole lot around here about sin. Sin and confession. Sin and repentance. Sin and salvation. Sin and the need for redemption. Sin as a way to perish. I know, I know. Actually, you know, it puts me in mind of an old story. The one about the little boy who's a preacher's kid. 
And he's been one night sent away from the dinner table, not once, but twice, to go and wash off all the dirt and germs off his dirty, filthy hands. And he gets up from the table, and as he's going to the bathroom sink to wash his hands yet again, the boy was heard to grumble, germs and Jesus, germs and Jesus. That's all I ever hear around here. Well, yes. Germs and Jesus, I, I mean sin and repentance, it's tough to hear about. Especially when it seems to come back again and again. But folks, it's central to everything. Everything we know to be true about our Christian faith. It is what gives us an understanding of the sacrifice that is being made on the cross on our behalf. It's the only way I believe that we can truly embrace the joy of the resurrection. So it's important for us as Christians to focus in on the nature of sin and forgiveness. But all that said, did you notice something about our gospel text today? Very little talk about sin at all. Jesus doesn't say anything about how if the sheep of the flock don't repent, they perish. Rather, he says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Or as the message beautifully translates it, I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they have ever dreamed of before. Basically, as Jesus offers up all this imagery of sheep and sheep gates and shepherds, at the center of his promise is not primarily about sin and forgiveness, but it's about light and love and life. If I can quote David Lowe's one more time, at the heart of the gospel is the resurrection promise of life and possibility and power. The truth that we are not only saved from something, but we are saved for something. For life in all of its abundance, here and now, and life eternally. I'll say it again. That's what's so special about abundant life. A number of years ago now, some friends of ours called us one summer night and asked if our family wanted to go out with them to get some ice cream at a local takeout place. And of course, it was hot and muggy, and it sounded great. But what was even better is that they had called up another friend who happened to be a limo driver, and they came to pick us all up and drive us to the ice cream place in style, in a stretch limousine. And I gotta confess, that was my first time ever riding in the back of a limo, and it was pretty cool. But the best part of it was is that after all that driving around the area for a while, we finally get to the ice cream place. And of course, there, as you might expect, there's a ton of people there that night. And the limo driver says, you guys just stay put for a minute. And he hops out of the car and he starts talking to all the people who are out there on this hot summer night eating their ice cream. He's, and, 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 you know, he's dressed up like the limo driver, too. You've got to understand. He says, I've got some people in the limo here you might recognize. 
but I would ask you to please, please respect their privacy and not ask for autographs or to have your pictures taken with them. They're just regular people like you and me, and they just want to eat their ice cream in peace. And with that, the limo driver comes around. He opens up the passenger door. And friends, I'm never going to forget this as long as I live. I literally heard someone out in the parking lot say with great excitement, I'll bet it's Hootie and the Blowfish. (laughs) And we stepped out of the limo. And I heard that very same voice cross the parking lot saying with much less enthusiasm and with just a tad bit of sarcasm, Oh, that's just a minister from our church. He's nobody famous. It was a moment short-lived, but it was oh so sweet while it lasted. I think a lot about that day since then. And mostly what I think about is how cool it was to get a ride in the limo and all the curious looks we got from people as we cruised around town. How we lived just a tiny bit of the rock and roll life. But mostly, what I remember is about how much fun we had that night and of the great memory it made for our kids and for their parents. And might I add how it reminded me of the things that truly matter in this life. Things like friendship and laughter and caring and faith and fun, being part of a community of kindred hearts. We had all that stuff of life in true abundance. And it wouldn't have mattered if we had it in a limo or if we had all crammed into our minivan to get there together. We had all of life in its true abundance or in the words of our other text that Chris shared from us this, for us for this morning from 1 Timothy, we had the life that truly is life. Now, folks, the truth is, is that though my expectations have lowered just a little bit since those long ago days doing my cabin boy duties on the main coast, I still have some lofty hopes and dreams for my life unfolding. Some are very good and practical. Some are very realistic. Some, eh, not so much. Alas, I will likely never own that mansion overlooking the ocean unless I win the lottery, which would help if I bought a ticket. (laughs) Frankly, when the time comes, I'll be glad and grateful to have a decent, if modest, retirement. But you see, whatever happens, because of the God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment, I know that I will have been given and I thought I can live a life of true abundance. A life, as Paul wrote to Timothy, of doing good, of being rich in good works, generous and ready to share. See, that is why Jesus came, beloved, so that we might have that kind of a life. That even now, amidst all the uncertainties and the struggles and the um, inequities of life, you and I still can be storing up for ourselves a measure of a good foundation for the future that we might take hold of that life that really is life. 
It's abundant life, yours and mine, and it's a gift that comes to us through the deep and unending love of God in Jesus Christ, our Savior. And I pray that each one of us will accept this life as the true blessing and as the gift of grace that it is. And that with every day, with every new gift, with every joy and truth and insight, we may give our thanks unto God. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled, What's So Special About Abundant Life? Part of our current sermon series for the season of Lent. It was recorded during our March the 26th service of worship at East Church, where we would like to invite you, especially now as Holy Week and Easter are fast approaching, to join us in person for worship this Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at the church on 51 Mountain Road, just off exit 16 of I-93 in beautiful Concord, New Hampshire. I would love to have the opportunity to welcome you to our church and, and share in the sacred season, and I know you'll be glad you came. And for now, that's it for this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I do thank you for listening today. And until next time, may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.